So, um, originally this morning you were going to have the uh, privilege of hearing Richard Beaumont speak, but he headed off to Africa, is that right? So, you've got... Had to go earlier than planned. That's right. Africa needs Richard. So, instead, you have me. So, um, uh, I don't know, it's kind of like that, isn't it? Um, but maybe if you could uh, turn to James one nineteen to uh, 2.13, around there. Um, we're going to be looking this morning at this, at this section. We're continuing on in our series, uh, and I'm really excited about this. Um, some of you may know that before I was a youth and children's pastor here, I used to be a graphic designer. And uh, there's lots of skills that are helpful with being a graphic designer. It helps if you can draw pretty pictures uh, and it helps if you can tell the difference between, I don't know, papyrus font and Times New Roman or any other fonts. Uh, you'd never use either of those, by the way, just as a handy graphic design hint right there. Uh, but one of the really key skills, more important than those things, is being able to, um, I guess, communicate in a, in a single short little burst. Uh, you might only have one line on a poster or a heading on a brochure or a byline under a logo and you've got to say all this with just this. And uh, this morning, I'm, in the section we're looking at, I think James has done that. I've put this too far away. Um, I was trying to remember the uh, kind of... I didn't want to block some of you out. Um, I reckon James has done that, and I think he's done it in 2.12. So right at the end of this section that we're going to be looking at, um, there's this great phrase that says, Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And uh, this is the key verse for us today. Uh, There's all this stuff that precedes it, but what I want you to do is kind of lock this into the back of your head and as we hit, um, there's, a, there's, a few different, there's two kind of different sections and as we look at each section, um, in your mind be asking the question, how does this relate back to James 2.12, um, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom and we'll actually, we'll talk about what that law that gives freedom is further on, um, but just keep asking that question. Uh, I think often James gets pegged as this ultra-practical book, right? It's full of lots of very direct instruction. James is really good because he even gives examples and illustrations. He's kind of like a preacher's dream because he's done all the work. You could basically just stand here, read the book of James, and that would be quite a great sermon. Um, but sometimes people struggle struggle with this sort of... Um, practicalness of James because they feel like, oh, is he kind of saying, uh, you know, you achieve salvation through good works? Is he saying that I have to do this, this and this and then God will love me and then God will save me? And I don't think he is, um, but I understand why people might feel challenged by that or, or kind of uncomfortable with that because we are really strong, right, aren't we, on, on that salvation is by faith alone. Um, but really what I think James is doing is he's trying to draw us away from um, what we might call nominalism or you know, Sunday Christianity. Um, he's trying to pull us away from that and into a life that lives out seven days a week, 24 hours a day, lives out what we say we believe. 
and he gives a whole bunch of context and examples for that. But he's not saying that you need to earn your salvation. What he's saying is when you're saved, this is the life you want to be living. Um, and if for some reason we have a, a problem with that, if we're saying, I want to be saved, but I don't want to live the Christian life, I don't want to do this, then we have this sort of uh, conflict. We've got a bit of a paradox going on because they're inseparable. So, um, Andrew uh, Chua, you know, of quite a number of weeks ago, reminded us that the Bible is written in a context and written out of a context. Um, everything in it, it's got context. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, we heard Rob Freeman give the context for James. Um, and I just want to remind you of one aspect of that, and that's uh, that it's written um, not to individuals, but to a community. So we live in a very individualistic uh, society. We often read the Bible thinking, what does this say to me? Um, what do I need to do? Uh, we imagine ourselves as kind of little islands existing, uh, locked in our little houses, thinking, what do I need to do to be a good Christian? Um, that's our context. James is, is different. He's writing to communities. So um, he sends this letter out and it arrives not at each individual's house but it arrives at little church communities and they read it together and they understand it together and the things that he's challenging are community dynamics. So what he's, what he's writing into is um, how do we, or the question he's, he's answering is how do we live as a community of people dedicated to loving one another for the glory of God? So that's, that's the thing. We're loving each other as Christ loved us. So that's the, the overarching context for James and, and particularly for the bit we're going to look at um, today. So if you've got your Bibles, if you've got your iDevices, if you've got your telepathic communication with Zondervan and they're just beaming the NIV straight into your brain, um, open it up to, to James um, chapter 1, verse 19 and we'll have a look at James's first point. He says... Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. This is verse 19. Um, Why is that? Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Um, So we're just noting that everyone, that's our context. Um, This is like a community service announcement. Remember when they used to kind of have those on TV? You know, They still have them if you ever watch TV at about... 11 in the morning, you know, that time when everyone should be at work or school, then uh, so there's no, they don't care about the ratings anymore. There's all these ads for like hold your parents' hand when you're crossing the road and pool safety and all this sort of stuff. And uh, this is, this is what, you know, that's a community service announcement. What he's saying is, hey, community, listen up. Um, this is an announcement. When you come into conflict with each other, uh, this is the way that you should behave and this is why. Um, sometimes when we have conflict, our first initial thought is um, launch a preemptive strike. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that word, but that's hitting first and hitting hard and hitting them so hard that they won't want to hit you back. And it doesn't necessarily happen out here, but often it happens in here. So I don't know about you, but I have lots of arguments with people in my head. Uh, and <laughs> Ash knows what I'm talking about. And uh, surprisingly, uh, or not surprisingly, I always win them, which is really cool. 
Uh, it's the one place that I'm always right is in my head. And um, that's kind of, that's the beginning of a preemptive strike. That's the beginning of um, getting angry quick and wanting to speak first. It's being a bit self-righteous. It's saying, you know what, they've done the wrong thing. They've hurt me. I'm right and I'm going to stew in my own juices here and I'm going to tell myself, yeah, you are right, Brent, and they are a jerk and they do need to pull their pants up and straighten up. And we, uh, we, we let it build up and we let this self-righteousness um, reinforce our own kind of uh, sense of, yes, I'm right. And, and we, we indulge ourselves and we get angry and then and we, get, we, we allow ourselves to be hurt. It kind of feels good to be a bit hurt, feels good to be a bit, bit bitter and kind of, yeah, let's just sit in that. And um, we adopt this us versus them mentality and, and eventually it kind of sits and sits and sits and bubbles and bubbles and bubbles and then eventually it comes out of our mouth. And um, this is the problem, right? We, we often we justify this hurting on, holding on to hurt and anger and we, we tell ourselves that we're right. Um, and we, we have this reasoning, you know, because person A or person B did this thing either to me or to someone else that I care about or in the community or whatever, they, they, they did something that I disagree with, um, then I'm allowed to fight back. I'm allowed to kind of hurt them. It's all justified because they're wrong and I'm right. And um, first of all, we're often overlooking our own guilt and our own sin and we're kind of going, oh yeah, I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty righteous fellow. I've, I've got it all together. So I'm allowed to sit in judgment over them. I'm allowed to kind of be above them and decide will, will I or will I not forgive? Will I or will I not treat them with grace? Um, but there's a, there's a problem here. Um, and James just calls it out. He says, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And uh, there's probably a few different ways you could understand what, what does this uh, produce the righteousness that God desires. Um, generally, the, the accepted view is that it doesn't produce righteous living. It doesn't produce righteousness in us. We, we don't become more like God or more righteous by hurting and judging and, and, and attacking the people that we disagree with. Um, and we don't produce righteousness in them. So even if they have done the wrong thing, uh, they're hardly going to kind of start living more righteously because I go and attack them with my words and stab them with my tongue. Um, so James is saying, be quick to listen. Be slow to get angry. Be slow to speak. Um, one commentary that I was reading um, put it in pretty strong terms and I think that's really good because... I think this is strong to James's readers, but maybe we get a little bit inoculated to the Bible sometimes. We, we don't kind of see the, the strength of what's being said. So this commentary used these words. Um, they said, The idea here is that when we allow our anger to control us, we're spewing out poisonous emotional garbage onto our fellow believers. And this falls far short of what God designed for our relationships in the community of faith. Uh, the church, the church is the body of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. Um, and James is telling us that we're to love one another. James is telling us that we're to show grace to one another. Um, and when we kind of decide in, a, in whatever conflict and whatever situation, when we decide that my voice is the most important one and it must be heard, 
um, we're effectively we're putting ourselves first and we're, we're totally ignoring the sort of attitude we're supposed to have. We're totally ignoring uh, Christ, essentially. Um, so be quick to listen and understand and uh, that's showing the love of Christ. Um, so all this kind of begs the question, doesn't it? Um, if If my anger and my um, selfish attitudes uh, don't produce the righteousness that God desires. Uh, begs the question, what will produce the righteousness that God desires? Um, and James tells us, which is really handy. He says, therefore, and that's our linking statement, that's how we know that this relates back to what he's been saying. So, therefore, and it's two points. So, I've put them into a list form, which James didn't do, so I've done this for you. Get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. So that's James 121. Um, <laughs> those are some strong words, aren't they? Get rid of all the moral filth and evil that is so prevalent. Um, and I want to be uh, kind of clear here in drawing a distinction. Um, it is absolutely true that the Bible strongly, strongly um, tells us that we need to live a, a life of personal holiness. It is really unequivocally clear that the Bible um, sends a message that the way that I live personally as an individual um, matters to God, that my, my sin, my morality is really important. Um, I can't just pretend that uh, I'm one person in eight billion, who cares? The Bible doesn't talk like that. However, in this particular letter, James is being a bit more specific and it may not appear so here but it's, it's you kind of when you read the whole book you get, okay, he's talking about community, he's talking about community attitudes and uh, so he's, when he talks about the moral filth and evil that is so prevalent, um, he's focusing in particularly on community corroding attitudes and actions. Um, so that's not to say that, you know, some sin or this sin is kind of community corroding attitudes is more important than personal holiness, not at all but um, just in this case so that we know what James is saying he's talking about things that affect us as a body things that we do to each other um, that's, that's the context so it's this two part process isn't it um, and we're taking off this kind of the word here um, for get rid of uh, I got to, I've done one semester of Greek and I'm about to do uh, the other half of it next year. And uh, this this word, and I can't I can't even remember it now. That's why I'm doing the next semester next year. Um, but it, it's more than just uh, get rid of. Like uh, it, it means laying aside. It means taking off. So you might be wondering why I'm wearing this jumper on like a hot, sunny day. Well, reasonably sunny, Cl- cloudy but warm, right? Um, Rachel actually hates this jumper. Uh, it's it's <laughs> it's it's a it's a third hand jumper. Uh, so you've had second hand clothes. I've got third hand clothes. I my brother had this, and then for some reason he didn't want it anymore. So he gave it to me, and I've had it for a number of years. But he got it from like a Salvation Army or a Savers or something. So I don't even know how old this jumper is. It is 
stretched. It is like look at the sleeves. All the elastics all stretched. It's got stains on it. It's faded. Um, and sorry, Sam. I don't know if you noticed when you were kind of praying for me. It smells too. It's kind of musty. Uh, you probably just thought it was me, but it's not. It's the jumper. Um, so what James describes is he's saying we're we're, we're laying this aside. We're putting it down. This is our old our old nature, and we're laying it aside, and we're taking up something much nicer. This is one of my favourite jackets. I'm not going to wear it for the whole time though because I will get super warm. But uh, this is what he's talking about. He's saying, take off this gross set of old set of clothing and put on this fresh, new, clean uh, attitudes, way of living. And um, we do that by humbly accepting the word that was planted in us. And um, I, I reckon there's, there's two really key things there. One, one is humbly. Um, we, can, we can read the Bible a whole bunch of ways. Um, we can read it looking for the verses we're going to use to correct everyone else, um, one of my favourites. Uh, we can read it thinking, oh, well, this doesn't really apply to me, it's out of date, it, it doesn't, you know, whatever. Um, or we can read it kind of humbly submitted and just say, ah, oh, look, I'm, I'm, that would be me if, if I was left to my own devices, um, but I need, I need the word, I need to humbly submit to it. Um, and uh, this comes with a little bit of a warning. I'm going to take this off now before I get too warm. This comes with a bit of a warning. He says, don't just listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And this is, this is massive. Um, this is, you know, this is why I said at the start, I think James is calling us away from that sort of just Sunday Christianity, nominalism, um, that sort of thing. And he's saying, no, you've got you to actually live it. Um, I'm definitely not much of a sports fan. Uh, I, like, I like playing sport. Stuart and I played squash the other day. That was really fun. Um, but I don't learn the players' names. I Part of me still thinks that Craig McDermott is on the Australian cricket team. Um, like, seriously, that's not even a joke. I, I, really, I really am not good at learning the players' names. I don't know any of the stats. I don't own any of the merchandise. Um, if I've had more than a 30 second conversation with you about cricket or footy I can guarantee I was just smiling and nodding like I don't know anything about these things because I'm just not passionate about them right but there are some people I, I've, I've met people I have friends who they live and breathe it um, just they know everything and if you let them they will pin you to a wall and talk at you about football for like three or four hours and they will talk about whatever coach they're angry at and the latest issues and about doping and oh, the stupid refs and salary caps and they will talk about uh, you know how they're doing in their fantasy football thing and the whole thing they will tell you. Um, and I think sometimes we can be a bit like that um, with the Bible as well. Christians can treat the Bible in that way. We, we kind of stock up 
a bunch of trivia and a bunch of opinions um, and we're real quick to kind of tell someone oh, you know I don't think predestination is correct or what What are you a Calvinist or Arminius or and we, we get on our high horse about different aspects and different contentious issues and we want to play tug of war and it's a really fun mental exercise and I can totally be this person uh, I really can and uh, just like if, um, if my friend will pin you to the wall and talk at you about football, um, there have been times when I have definitely like pinned Rachel to the wall and talked at her about issues about the Bible, stuff that I'm learning in Bible college, whatever. Um, but that's not really... Th- those things are all fine. They're all interesting and whatever. But if we're not living it, if, if we don't exemplify loving our neighbour as ourselves then we're, we're doing this. We're, we're, we're listening to the word, we're doing some mental exercises and then we're going off and living a different life, basically. Um, and we can all be guilty of that at times. We've all got sin and problems in our lives, no more or no less than each other. I have problems, you have problems. That's a very kind of normal thing, but we're working on it. The difference is uh, this is really saying... Um, when you you kind of don't want to live it, you don't want to know. Get get mad when people say you you're not living out a Christ-like life. You know, get kind of say, well, who are you to who are you to tell me that I have to forgive Bob? Bob deserves it, whatever. And uh, when we when we just want to indulge these anti-community uh, sort of attitudes, and we want to we want to have some sort of intellectual relationship with God but when it actually touches down on our life when it touches down on the heart of things we, we kind of pretend like it's not real push it aside and um, James has this fantastic illustration that he uses to really hammer this home and it's one of my favourite illustrations in the Bible he says anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Um, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Um, just to show that semester one of Greek paid off, uh, this, this word face, prosopon, um, it means more than just like your face, right? It's it's a bit, think more literal. It's, it's like the face you were born with, the face that is stuck to your body. It is your face. And um, that's not really apparent when you read the English, but keep that in mind. You know, I recently installed a shaving mirror in a, in a bathroom. You know the cool ones on the extendable arms? I think they're really great. Uh, so it, it kind of pulls away from the wall. It's got this zigzaggy concertina thing that comes out and the mirror there and you shave as I did this morning for the first time and who knows how long and um, that's great. If you flip the mirror over, it's got two faces, right? You, you flip it over. The other side is one of those concave mirrors and it is a scary, scary thing. It will show you each individual pore in your skin. It, will, it shows me all the little grey hairs in my beard and all the blackheads over my nose and it shows me all the little oily patches. It really shows you your face, right? Um, there's no hiding it. 
like you can't look at a concave mirror and kind of pretend I don't have any flaws, I'm fine. Um, James is describing someone who looks into a mirror, sees themselves exactly as they are, warts and all, blackheads and all, um, and then they walk away and they forget all the bad stuff and they remember all the good stuff and they overestimate, if I can say this, they overestimate how good looking they are. They walk around and go, yeah, I am pretty good looking and everyone is lucky to look at me. Um, we, we do this a bit ourselves. Um, we look at the Bible, we look at what we're learning, we look at what the Holy Spirit is doing in our life, we listen to that, we're submitted to it and then we walk away and we walk away with an overinflated sense of how good we are, of our own goodness and we, we say, yeah, I am, a, I am a pretty good guy, I am a pretty good Christian. Um, not like those other, other people, they're not real great. Me, I'm pretty good. Um, and James actually names the sort of people that do this. In that last line of that um, illustration, he, uh, sorry, in the second last line, um, he talks about, uh, where is it? Um, sorry, it's not, it's not actually up there. This is why I've got you following along in your Bibles. Um, he names them as people who think they are religious. So if you were to read on to verse 26, you would see he says, uh, people it is, people who think they are religious and um, actually their religion is worthless. So really strong words. I probably should have made that one one of the slides, but I didn't. Um, now, people who think they are religious, again, we're going to just scrape into the original language a little bit. Uh, it's a little bit of an ambiguous statement. Is it people who think of themselves? I'm quite religious. I'm quite good. Or is it people who other people think are quite religious? Oh, that guy. Yes, we know him. He's very religious. He's quite a good guy. Um, either way, it's people with a bit of a religious reputation, either to themselves or, or before others, or both. Maybe, maybe James is being really uh, efficient with his words and he's saying both at the same time. Uh, but he's saying religious reputation and, and overestimating your own goodness and then not loving others, your religion is worthless. It's meaningless. You can be as good a person as you want you can uh, have the best behaviour, you can stay away from all sorts of moral and uh, you know, immoral and, and sinful activities and if you don't love your neighbour as yourself, that's the perfect law that gives freedom and James identifies that in verse 2.8. The perfect law that gives freedom is love your neighbour as yourself, he's taking it from Leviticus and uh, if, you, if you don't follow that, your religion is worthless and he's going to hammer this home in a minute. But let's just stop for a second and contrast that with the person who looks intently into the law and they don't forget it and they're living it and they're blessed by that. And it's even a promise. It says they will be blessed in what they do. And uh, you can kind of decide for yourself um, if, if what they do is loving others or what they do is, is broader and it's more of their life. But either way, God's promising blessing for the people that live out this law of loving their neighbour as themselves, and particularly in this community, well, in, in the Christian community. 
um, and I'll tell you why, particularly in the Christian community shortly. Um, but let's just process that. Um, you know, lately I've had a really humbling realisation, that's never fun, um, that I can be very much the sort of person who looks in the mirror and then forgets what I look like. It's so easy. It's so easy when something comes up in our life that highlights our own sinfulness, need for God, imperfection, failings, whatever. It's so easy. In fact, it's so nice just to kind of walk away and forget that ever happened and to just pretend I am a great, good-looking, no blackheads, no oily spots. I'm, I'm a great religious person. Um, and if you're like me, if you've grown up in a place where you have a bit of a religious reputation, maybe. Um, people look at you and say, oh, he is a very good Christian. Oh, what a, what a great guy. Um, then it can be even harder because then there's a reputation to protect as well. Um, so this is, this is the thing. We should, we should really read James's words and have a think. Are we living out our faith? Are we loving those around us? Are we humbly submitted to God? Are we humbly submitted to his word? Or are we happy to kind of forget the ugly bits? Um, At the end of James's mirror illustration, um, he says, uh, you know, that religion, that sort of stuff, that's worthless. Of course, he's begging the question again, so what does good religion look like? What does God-pleasing religion look like? Looks like this. Uh, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And that's the Micah verse, isn't it? Um, that's what God is saying um, where to do, is to love one another. He's, James is again, he's just giving, an, he's giving a practical example of what love your neighbour looks like. He's not saying exclusively you can only love widows and orphans, everyone else, throw them in front of a bus. He's saying love your neighbour as yourself and these people are really in need of love. They are really in distress. They need you, they need your love. Why? Because there was no Centrelink, there was no social security. Um, If you're a widow, you live on charity, basically. Um, And we have... Uh, maybe no um, people living on charity amongst us that I'm aware of, but we do have people who need love. We do have people who are in distress. We all need love, in fact. Um, so what we're to do is to love one another. And remember before I said particularly within our own community, why is that? That's because that is the bare minimum for loving your neighbour as yourself. Um, if you have dreams of I'm going to go out there and I'm going to follow Richard Beaumont to Africa and I'm going to love the African people um, sacrificially and I'm going to save the orphans and whatever, but we can't love each other in this room, then how are we going to do that? Um, I don't know about you, if you have uh, people in your life that are easy to love, I definitely do. Um, one of the people that I find really easy to love, not surprisingly, is Evelyn. Here's a photo of her being loved uh, and really enjoying it, obviously. Um, she's really easy to love. She's very cute, great smile, very cute when she laughs. And uh, Rachel and I just kind of look at her and we're all kind of gushy about her. 
and um, lately she's actually she's kind of started walking a little bit. She'll toddle around for a few steps and fall down. We really love her. It's really great. Um, some people, they're easy to love. Some people are really hard to love. <laughs> uh, they rub us against the grain. They, they get under our skin. We don't have anything in common and we don't like their sense of humour and we think that they're a bit boring or boorish. Uh, maybe we think that they're, I don't know, their face is ugly. I don't know. Some people are hard to love and they will be around us probably our whole life. There'll be people that are hard to love and that is natural. Um, it's natural to have people that are easy to love and hard to love. That's fine. There's no problem with that. There is an issue, though, um, when we start showing favouritism to the ones we love. James says this. He says, My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, they must not show favouritism. Suppose a man comes into a meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes. And by the way, this is, this is an example. It's not the only sort of way this happens. But suppose he comes into a meeting wearing gold ring, fine clothes, and a poor man comes in, filthy, wearing my jumper, and, uh, and if you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes, and you say, here's a good seat for you, and uh, to the poor man you say, oh, you can kind of, you can sit over there on the floor, stand, whatever, sit by my feet, um, you've discriminated, and you've become judges with evil thoughts, and you've discriminated among yourselves, Keep that in the back of your mind. It's that community stuff. Um, and you become judges of evil thoughts. Uh, it's hard to see this in the English, um, so I'm sorry about that. But biblical scholars, when they look at this, they, they draw in other texts from Leviticus and a few other places and they say, oh, this, this bears a really strong resemblance to maybe not so much a meeting like this where it's a church service, but actually probably more a, a meeting of mediation, of, of solving dispute. Um, and he's say, they're saying that uh, James is calling out people who, when there's a dispute in the church body, and in his case probably wealth carried a lot of sway, um, but when there's a dispute in the church body, rather than pursuing a fair resolution, these Christians, I guess, were basically showing favouritism. They weren't interested in the truth. They weren't interested in being fair and just. They were interested in giving their mates a bit of a hand. And uh, that's what James is kind of calling out. And in fact, he says those rich people, they're not even good people anyway. He says they're exploiting you and they're blaspheming God. He calls them rich oppressors. Now we, as far as I'm aware, don't have any rich oppressors in this church. I've never seen anyone come in with like lots of gold jewellery and a whip and they're just oppressing us. Uh, but what I have seen is uh, there's lots of people who have lots of strong relationships and we have friends and we have family and we love each other and that's really great but that becomes a stumbling block if it causes us to show favouritism. Um, and it's so, so tempting. Um, you know, we have these people, they're easy to love, they're friends and family, and sometimes they come into conflict with someone else, and maybe that someone else is a little bit hard to love. And it's really easy to say to our friend, here's a special seat for you, you know? Here's my ear, tell me your problems, and I will tell you how right you are, and I will defend you, even though I kind of, I know you're wrong, but... I will, I will show you this special seat. And uh, to, the, to the other person, the person who is against our friend, uh, we say, um, I'm not really interested in you. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not interested in what you have to say or I'm, I'm not interested in finding a fair resolution. I'm not interested in the truth. You hurt my friend, so 
they are automatically right and you are automatically wrong and I will shun you or tell you to go sit at my feet or whatever whatever the modern equivalent is. Um, and James says that when we do that, we become judges with evil thoughts because we've discriminated. We've taken it upon ourselves to judge and we've done it not even in a godly way. Um, we're back to those actions and attitudes that are toxic to Christian community um, and it's exactly the opposite of how God wants us to be. James says this. He says, If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbour as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favouritism, you sin and you're convicted by the law as lawbreakers. He's really clear. He's not giving us the option to show special favouritism to some people and uh, be unfair to others. And I'm not talking about saying you've got to be equally friends with everyone or you've got to somehow have the same relationship with your wife or son or whatever that you do with someone you hardly know. But what I'm talking about is when it comes down to resolving conflict within a Christian community, be it here or somewhere else, James is saying favouritism is not okay. Um, And he says, if we show favouritism, we sin and we're convicted by the law as lawbreakers. Um, The God who established um, the law, love your neighbour as yourself, that's a Levitical law, he established the whole law, the whole thing. And James says, whoever keeps the whole law and stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. Um, For he who said you shall not commit adultery also said you shall not murder. And if you don't commit adultery but you do murder, you've broken the whole law. You've become a lawbreaker. Um, You're just as guilty. Uh, So recently I was mowing our nature strip which gets crazy long whenever there's rain and uh, I'd done the mowing and I was going along with the whip snipper and I was doing the edges and I saw my neighbour's car parked there and I thought to me, it was on the opposite side of the nature strip. I thought, I do need to ask them to move that so I can do that side. I will do that in just a second. And I just went maybe five more steps and I heard this... And then I looked up and there was a hole in their passenger side window about the size of a golf ball and the whole, all the glass looked like this. That's what it looked like. The whole thing, the whole thing was in thousands of tiny pieces. And then it started doing this. And the whole thing just collapsed into the, into the car, not even out onto the lawn. That was the disappointing thing. It all collapsed into the car in hundreds of tiny little safety glass blocks. And they were in the, the little side compartment. They were in the carpet. They were in, inside the seat. They were everywhere. And I had the very unenviable task of introducing myself to our neighbour with the words, is that your car? I think I just broke the window. Um, But the point is, um, I'd broken the whole thing, right? I I mean, I could argue that actually I only broke this much of the window and the rest broke itself, right? I'm I'm responsible for the bit where the rock or whatever it was, and imagine that, imagine if I'd said to him, fair deal, uh, $200 to replace the glass. If we do the math and we calculate how much of the glass I broke, uh, that's 20 bucks. And uh, you must pay for the rest because that's your responsibility. You should have gotten glass that would stay in place when this part was broken or whatever. Ridiculous, right? Whether I like it or not, I've broken the whole thing. 
That's just the way it is. It's the same with the law. So we can keep ourselves from all sorts of sinful behaviour um, but if we can't love our neighbour as ourselves, we've done that. We've done that to God's law. And vice versa. Right? The same is true. If, if I'm really good at loving my neighbour but I have horrible morality, this is also true. So it flips. But the point is we can't just pick and choose the things that we think are worth doing. We say, well, I'm a good upstanding citizen. I've looked in the mirror and I've come away thinking I'm quite the handsome fellow uh, so I don't need to worry about um, loving this ugly person over here because I don't like them, I don't have to, I don't want them as part of my community. James is really strong on this. He's saying, no, you don't get to do that. You don't get to have that choice. You are to love your neighbour as yourself starting in the Christian community. Uh, some of you may have heard David said, say this phrase, blood is thick in the water but Christ's blood is thickest of all. I think it's really good. Um, we're all Christ's body. We're all Christ's bride. So to discriminate amongst each other is not right. Um, and this brings us back to that statement that I showed you right at the start and this is where we're going to finish. Um, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. And now we've read that that law is love your neighbour as yourself. It says that in, in this section of James. Um, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law. Love your neighbour as yourself. The law that gives freedom because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And although we don't really have the time to dive into it, that phrase, mercy triumphs over judgment, is a fantastic, fantastic um, link into the cross and a fantastic link into what Christ has done for us. So if in any of this you want to think, what should I do here? Think, what has Christ done for me? And then try and exemplify that. Um, we must speak and act as a community that's going to be judged by how well we've loved one another without favouritism, without self-righteous anger, uh, without judgmental words. Um, we're going to be judged as a community uh, by, by how humble we are, by how submitted to God we are, by how committed to loving one another we are and how we're living that out both with our actions and our attitudes. Um, and in doing that, we turn our lives into living acts of worship. We turn our lives into lives that glorify Christ so that when people walk in here, when people hear about this church, um, God is glorified um, and we're exemplifying the whole law, including loving your neighbour as yourself. That's James's concern in this section. Um, so let me finish there. Let me pray. Um, yeah. Lord Jesus, um, it is our joy, it is our honour to be able to meet together as a community to worship you, to love you and to do it together, to uphold one another, um, to encourage one another, to pray for one another, to love one another in need, um, to love one another when we're not in need. Um, your word says that as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. And we can do that as a community. That's what you've given us. You've given us the body with all whole range of different gifts, different roles and we can bless each other and we can uphold each other and we become this strong, thriving bride of Christ. Um, and Lord, that's what we want to be. Uh, that's what we want to exemplify. So help us to do that, Lord, as a community. Help us to submit ourselves humbly to this word from you in James. 
Help us to understand what it means to love our neighbour and what it means to love you. And Lord, I pray that you would bless us in that as you've promised here, that you bless our endeavours to do that. Um, it is, yeah, just our joy and our honour to worship you, Lord. And I pray that today as we go out from here, um, that we would have a day where we can enjoy you, where we can be close to you, and that tomorrow when we wake up, we'd be able to have that all over again, that that would be the hallmark of our life, loving you being close to you. Um, and thank you, Lord, and we just pray these things in your name. Amen.